Right. Test, test, test. Hashtag raw dating advice. What is going on? We are officially live. Welcome to another episode of raw dating advice. And it is Thursday night. And tonight we got a very interesting topic that I do want to talk about with you guys. And it's called the seven actionable ways to pre to prevent flaking and turn flaking into flirting and F you know what that means. So Here's the thing, so many guys, they struggle with getting ghosted these days. You know, I talk to guys in my inner circle, I talk to guys who are getting, uh, commenting on YouTube videos, I get Instagram DMs from so many guys, and here's what seems to be like a major sticking point for a lot of people, and you can let me know if you've ever struggled with this sticking point yourself, and that is the concept of getting ghosted by a girl, all right? Let me know, if you, have you ever been ghosted by a girl? Chris, have you ever been ghosted by a girl personally? You have? Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I pressed the button. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. ghosted. Nobody wants to be ghosted. Yeah, that shit's scary. <laughs> All right, so today, I want you guys to be able to prevent getting ghosted by girls because getting ghosted, let's be honest, it sucks. You don't want to get ghosted by girls and you don't want girls who get who flake on you, right? I know some of the girls that I've looked forward to going on dates with the most we all got hate getting that dreaded text like one or two hours before that says, hey, I gotta cancel, last second plans, right? Flaking fucking sucks, all right? So that's why in today's live stream podcast, I wanna give you guys seven actionable ways to prevent flaking and turn, uh, and turn that flaking into flirting and fucking. So let's get right into it. But as we're coming on, Chris, go ahead and toss me um, the... Let's, let's do the never have I ever and the personal questions again. I liked the personal questions from last week. What did you guys think last week when we did the live personal questions or whatever? And also, Chris, uh, are you on live? Is the audio okay? Let me know if you're listening in. How good is the audio? Can you hear me all right, right this second? And before we get going here, I will go ahead and draw a personal question. And for the people watching, just know that every time we get a super chat, we will take a personal question or do a never have I ever just to add some little spice to the dish, make it a little bit fun. You know, if you guys are tuning in here with me on Thursday and Monday nights at 7.30 p.m. PST, we wanna have some fun too. And also, I was just talking about this with my inner circle guys on the coaching call before this. Um, what we're gonna start doing is we're gonna start bringing on some guests for the Raw Dating Advice show, especially now that we're going live. And so if you guys have any guest ideas that you guys of a future guest that you would like to have seen, like to see interviewed or just in conversation with Patrick James, especially live in studio, let me know and we will work to make that happen. And as you guys are coming on, please feel free to comment any questions. Um, even though we are talking about seven actionable ways to prevent flaking and turn fla flaking into flirting and fucking, that is a mouthful, man. Um, you know, in between questions or whatnot, uh, I would love to be able to engage with you guys and answer your guys' questions. So let's draw a personal question first. All right, so what is the dumbest thing you have ever looked in an outfit or costume? What is the dumbest you have ever, I would say the dumbest costume I ever had was 
here's the thing. I should preface this. I suck at costumes. I never plan for costumes. I actually never actually look forward to Halloween other than the fact that all the girls are dressing slutty, but I don't necessarily look into how can I dress extra slutty, right? So uh, my freshman year of college, I was 18 years old and all I did was I put on a suit and I bought a wig that was red and I basically just said, um, uh, I was Donald Trump and uh, I put on some aviator sunglasses. I had a, a an ugly looking wig and I wore a suit. So I was Donald Trump in 2008 when I was a freshman in college uh, for Halloween. And that was probably the worst costume I've ever had. But that said, that was an extreme personal question. Let's get started. So some Danilo says, interview Coach Kyle. I'm actually not familiar with who Coach Kyle is. Um, so I'll look into that um, for sure. But yeah, great. For, thank you for the suggestion. And uh, let's get into the first way to seven actionable ways to turn flaking into flirting and fucking. The first one, and these first two, they're very interesting because depending on where you are at and your skill level, you might receive this advice in a completely different way. And I'll just kind of give it to you based off of a sticking point that I've observed in a lot of guys. And here's why I say this. You'll see when we get to the second one, these, these sticking points are kind of counterintuitive and they almost work against each other in a way. So if you have any questions, I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible for you. But the first one is the number one cop out that holds men back in their dating lives. The number one cop out that holds men back in their dating lives is going for the number too fucking soon. I've seen so many of these fucking, let's just call them self-proclaimed pickup artists in my day that will approach a girl and the moment there's an awkward silence, will go, all right, so can I get your number? Hey, you want to go on a date? Hey girl, I think you're beautiful. Let's go on a date. And it's like, that's a cop out for people who don't have very much experience approaching women or actually just dealing with tension, right? And so the number one cop-out that holds men back is they go for the number too soon. The moment they run into an awkward uh, awkward moment or uh, an awkward silence, or they don't know what to say next, they go, all right, so can I get your number? Or they will, um, they'll go for the number. And then the moment that they get the, the phone number, they just dart out of there. <laughs> like it's fucking a bomb that's about to explode. Right. And oftentimes if you combine those two where it's like, Hey, the moment I get this girl's number, I'm going to get out of this interaction before I fuck anything up or say anything wrong to make the number flaky. Or I go for the number too soon because I don't know what to say next. And it kind of seems like right now we're at the highest point that I can foresee this interaction going towards. So I'm just going to ask for the number here, just to save face and just know if you go for the number two soon, you're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. And what you don't want to be doing is just asking for the number as a cop out to get it out of the interaction before you might fuck things up. All right. So that's what I have to say about that. Stop going for the number two soon. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Only get the number when you know that you are sold on this girl. Don't get the number for no reason, because here's the thing. Women are not dumb. They're smart. They know what's going on. They can feel the vibe of this interaction just as much as you can feel the vibe. And here's the thing. This is one of the first, I, I think I say this in my book, 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl. And I actually just realized today because of the inner circle coaching call that <laughs> the book is the same color as the cup that I've had in the last couple live streams. So for branding purposes, we're going to keep drinking margaritas out of orange cups. So um, here's the thing. If you're going for the number two soon, it's usually because it's a cop out. And what I would challenge you to do is only get the number of girls that you are sold on. So many guys are so easily sold on girls, but going back to the original point, 
if you feel awkward, she will feel awkward. One of the first laws of seduction that you need to learn is what you feel she will also feel. This can work against you, but you can also use it to your advantage, which is a whole other conversation on its own. But if it works against you, when it's working against you is especially those moments where you are feeling super fucking nervous. You're feeling nervous. You're tripping over your words. You're asking her for the number because you feel awkward there. You don't know what to talk about next, but also you're trying to front like you are more confident than you actually are, right? A lot of guys, they try to act alpha. They try to act masculine. They try to be not a beta male, right? Think about that. I don't want to be a beta male, so I'm going to act extra tough, right? Think about that mentality. I would say a guy who thinks of himself as a beta male, which I personally would never classify any of you guys who follow me as beta males. I would personally never think of anybody as a beta male because beta male, like if you think about the definition, it in, in our primal urges goes back to like the days of when we were hunter gatherers, when we were cavemen, who was the alpha of the pack, who was the leader of the pack, who wasn't. Here's the thing. We're not hunter gatherers. We're not, um, alpha in a, in a society where we are judging status based on alpha male, beta male subconsciously. It works in the moment because certain men display different behaviors. But if you think about it like this, what what was the alpha male back in the day? The alpha male was the man who had the most resources, the guy who had all the, the ability to offer girls survival and reproduction. I was literally watching a fucking interview on YouTube last night before I decided to go to bed after I was working all fucking day. Um, with a guy who's a 28 year old billionaire. And I watched this interview of this 28 year old billionaire who made millions of dollars each day, like tens of millions of dollars a day, trading cryptocurrencies, doing things at a super high level. But I was like, yo, this guy, he's 28 years old. He went to MIT and he reminds me of the super, super nerdy dudes who I was almost jealous of how smart these guys were in high school. Like the type of high schoolers who were so smart in math class and calculus class that they were correcting the professor or the, the teacher in high school, right? That's the type of dude that this guy reminded me of. He's like that super nerdy math guy who just used math to his advantage and became a billionaire by the time he was 28. Now I'm jealous of guys with that type of IQ, but if you look at the definition of of alpha male, beta male. I mean, technically today he has more ability to offer girls the, the ability to su survive and reproduce more than half these guys who are claiming to be alpha males on the fucking line. Right. And so here's what I want you to understand. Don't think so much about I'm a beta male. I'm an alpha male. Don't act like that, bro. Act like the guy who's confident in himself. And, and the reason I went on this whole tangent altogether is because the, the concept of like, what you feel she will also feel also works against you when you're trying to act like someone that you're not. I think the most important thing is not acting like you're an alpha fucking male and I'm an alpha fucking dude and I get all these fucking chicks. Because here's the thing, if you're cold approaching girls, which is the best way to be meeting women, especially today, she doesn't give a fuck how many women you've slept with. She doesn't give a fuck like how alpha you fucking are. All she gives a fuck is the vibe that she's getting from you right this second. And if that vibe is off, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't care how long you've been in the game. She doesn't owe you shit. 
Women don't owe you a goddamn thing. And I think this is why so many guys go through phases and cycles of life where maybe they want to develop abundance with women. And then sometimes you go into empire building mode and you want to find your one ride or die queen who can help you build your mission and vision in life. Whatever phase you're in right now, just understand that if you're in the abundance phase, which I think every motherfucker should go through, every guy should learn game. Every guy should cold approach girls. Every guy should go through massive rejection and develop his social uh, skills, his emotional intelligence, his ability to overcome shit tests, his ability to control his emotions in the moment, right? Especially going back to the first one, which is stop getting numbers as a way to cop out and get out of the interaction before you fuck things up too early, right? Because at the end of the day, um, I would almost prefer a guy who is super nervous and maybe isn't the stereotypical alpha male or like doesn't look like what you would think of as like a guy who has great game but if he's super congruent to that, he's gonna get a better result more often than the person who's not. Here's 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 what I mean. There's this book called um, Influence. It's written by Robert Cialdini. Speaking of, Robert Cialdini is a uh, uh, ex-professor. He might be retired by now, but he's a professor from Arizona State University, which is right down the street from me. So I might try to get this guy on the podcast soon. That would be a, a, a really fun interview. Anyways, um, he says in his book, an example of like, they took the same, uh, actor, if you will. And if you, have you guys ever been to those like trade shows or like a grocery store where someone has like a Vitamix or like a big ass blender and they're like blending all these drinks, blending all these smoothies, and then they pass out samples and it's like a big show or whatever. And the goal is to basically put on a presentation that sells the blender to all the standard by people or the people walking through the grocery store, right? But they didn't experiment. And here was the experiment. One version of this, this experiment in version A, the same guy had to do the same sales pitch for the blender and the same presentation, but it had to be flawless. He had to be super smooth talking. He had to be super on top of his game. And then the other, the other time, uh, they, uh, and what they did was they tested sales against each other. The second round, he spilled the blender, the smoothie everywhere. He had to intentionally fuck up. Um, and guess what? Who do you think made the most sales? Obviously, because I'm bringing up the point, you could probably think it's counterintuitive to what most guys would think, but the person who messed up was more relatable and people uh, felt almost more compassion and more empathy for that person to where not only did people feel more uh, like they knew, liked, and trusted him more, but they also bought more blenders from that guy, right? And so here's why I say this. Literally one example that happened right before this call, if you don't know, every Thursday I do a call with um, the private clients, the bootcamp students, guys who are on the inner circle of raw dating advice, and we do a private coaching call right before we go live. And uh, on this call, uh, one of my inner circle members was talking about how he's he's been working on his ability to go out and spark tension on command. A lot of what we talk about in this book, 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl, and what I had him working on was just practicing his, practicing his delivery, practicing his tonality, and what he was afraid to do was he was afraid to um, deliver a playfully challenging line because he thought it might offend girls, so he would water down what this, this playfully challenging line was to be less challenging and more nice, but also when he would deliver it, he would not be speaking at a, at a tone that commands attention, that gives him presence, right? He would kind of be speaking under his breath. So what I had him do was I had him practice delivering this line in a tonality that 
was obviously better. And this is the advantage of practicing it before you got into the real world. And then when he went into the real world, he saw a window of opportunity to use this line that I had him practicing, just a playfully challenging line that could be slipped into most generic small talk type of conversations. And this is a guy who I wouldn't necessarily say is the best speaker, the most polished speaker. Obviously this is something he has to work on, but with his delivery, one week after doing this, he had the confidence to deliver it without watering it down, but his tonality probably could use work. His his um, his nervous, his nervous nerves in conversation, he probably could be a little bit less nervous in conversation, but the fact that he wasn't trying to hide his nerves and the fact that he wasn't trying to put on this fucking mask as, you know, Lewis Howes has his book called Mask of Masculinity. We all wear these fucking masks and what a lot of guys who are starting out in the game, they try to put on this mask of like, I'm the super alpha male. I'm the fucking, the hard guy who doesn't talk much and is like super like uh, alpha looking and just is like strong and silent, right? If that's what you're going for, I promise you, you're getting less of that no like trust, that KLT factor from these girls versus if you would just own the fact that you're fucking nervous, right? And so going back to the original point, the number one cop out that holds men back is getting the phone number as a way to get out of the interaction before you fuck things up, right? Does this make sense? Is this resonating at all? If so, drop a comment or a like below the video, which brings me to the second point, which like I said, is almost the exact opposite, but it depends on like kind of where you're at in your game progression, which is, Exploding phone numbers don't exist. Exploding phone numbers do not exist, right? So many guys, when they do get that phone number, they try to get out of the interaction as fast as possible. They're like, all right, give me your phone number. All right, great. Well, it was good talking to you. And then they fucking dip, right? Why do they do that? Because they're they're wanting to leave the interaction at a high note. They think, I got the number. Things are going well. Before I fuck things up, again, it's the same mentality. It's the same, I want to get out of here before I, I fuck it up rather than staying in here and building in more attraction, right? Because here's the thing. If you're just starting out, the number one thing you should be working on is sparking tension in your interactions and building that attraction, building that conversational chemistry. That's the number one thing that you need to be doing right now, right? And guys who, even if you're decent at that, but you're not necessarily good at, you, you still struggle with getting flaky phone numbers, I'm gonna give you a challenge, which is when you get a phone number, one, you're not getting it as a cop-out, you're getting it because you genuinely want to see this girl again and you wanna continue the interaction, right? If you approach a girl, the only reason you should be getting her phone number in the first place is because you can't continue this interaction right this second, right? Because like we said before in the first one, if you're getting phone numbers out of insecurity and out of fear, you're naturally gonna get a flaky phone number because she's gonna feel that, right? Going back to what you feel, she will also feel. But also, if you're dipping the moment you get her phone number and you didn't necessarily get her phone number because you know the interaction didn't have the ability to continue on from here, but you got it because things were going well and you didn't want them to not go well anymore, right? Then just know you're, you're cutting off conversation that was naturally going well, right? So my challenge to you is whenever you get a, a phone number, for the next month. Challenge yourself to stay in the interaction for three minutes longer. After she's done typing her phone number into your phone and she puts, and you take that phone back, you go dope. And then you put that phone back in your pocket, stay there and talk to her for three more minutes, just as a challenge, if not longer. Oftentimes, as I've gotten better at game, what I've found is my most solid phone numbers are the girls where I was talking to them, the vibe was good. I used that conversational momentum as the opportunity to get her phone number then, 
right? And I got it at the high moment, but here's the line. Here's the magic line. Here, just in case we get separated, give me your phone number right now. That's it. Just, hey, just in case you get separated, give me your phone, phone, phone number right now. You're actually a lot cooler than I thought you'd be. Then she gives you her phone number. You continue the interaction as if you never asked her for her phone number. What does this convey to her? It conveys to her that you didn't get the phone number out of fear because you weren't getting it as a cop out to leave the interaction early. But also when you stay in the interaction, yes, understand that in a contextual vibe, she might assume that you're getting her phone number because you're, you're about to leave, but only because she's following your lead. If I get it as a way of like, as a precaution, because I think she's a lot cooler and I'm pleasantly surprised, now it's not like, it doesn't feel like the interaction is ending, but even if it does, the simple fact that you stayed there for about three minutes longer doesn't show that, hey, I'm so insecure in my own value as a fucking man that I'm gonna dip out of here before maybe you see that I've been wearing a mask this entire time but you actually use this as the moment to go back to attraction building, that's the perfect thing. Because if you think about contextually, how these interactions play out, I talk about the five windows of opportunity and just for the sake of example, I'm gonna open up to chapter 69 in the book. I feel like we're in a, in a church service right now. Everybody open your Bibles to chapter 69, which is called the five windows of opportunity. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up. It literally is 69. <laughs> and so I did that because I could remember 69 a lot better. It's the five windows of opportunity. And I have courses and, and this is what I go over in my boot camps. My, I actually have a new uh, boot camp I'm working on. It's called Women on Demand and it's a virtual bootcamp for you guys. It's really gonna help build your skills around this entire framework um, over the next 90 days. But anyways, it goes, get her attention first. That's the first window of opportunity. Second is build that attraction, create that conversational attention. Third, build connection with her, that KLT factor, that no like trust factor. Fourth, isolate, get her to a place where sex could possibly occur. And then fifth is escalate, physical escalation. Now, do they always have to happen in exactly that order? Oftentimes, the better your game gets, the more you kind of internalize these concepts, the more it's gonna kind of feel like all of these kind of fit in together because you're naturally kind of working your way through these windows of opportunity, but as a general structure, as a general framework, that's how it goes, right? And so if you think about like, you get her attention, you approach her, you build attraction, you disqualify your, you playfully tease her, but then you relate to her as a person, you build that no like trust factor, you start connecting with her, you start swapping stories, you start relating to each other about maybe what do you guys have in common? And you qualify her based off of how does she live her life? What kind of a person is she? What kind, is this the type of person that you want to potentially, um, talk to further and bring into your life. AKA, do you actually want to get her number? Is she worth getting her phone number? Is she someone that you want to spend time with, right? And so fourth, isolation, and the fifth is escalation. But here's the thing. The only part in that process that you would logically want to get her phone number is if you knew you would not be able to continue this interaction at a later date. So let's say you've been attracted, you've attracted her, the conversation, you guys are swapping stories, you guys are building connection with each other on that foundation of attraction, but her friends are about to pull her away or your friends are about to leave this venue and you gotta get going, or maybe you guys were, you met organically at the grocery store or something, you guys wanna go about, about your day, Obviously, if she's busy and you're busy and you guys gotta go your separate ways, it would be logical that you would want to get her phone number. So you go for the phone number at a high moment, right? But exploding phone numbers do not exist. So don't just go, all right, I got the phone number. All right, peace out. Use that as the, as the moment to almost like take a step backwards and build more attraction. So if you went like 
banter, attraction based. I'm disqualifying you. I'm teasing you. It's fun. It's playful. You got, you're laughing a lot, right? And then you start connecting with her. And so the vibe kind of goes down as far as like the sparking attraction. Well, just know if one, you got her phone number at a low moment, AKA the first example we talked about, which is um, you got it as a cop out. So the interaction wouldn't go any worse. You get it at a low moment, wherever you get her phone number or wherever you leave that interaction, she's going to base like the, how, how likely she is to actually follow up with you and text you back and want to see you is going to be 100% correlated with how, what was that last emotion she felt around you? If the last emotion she felt around you was I gave you my phone number because the, the awkward, there, there was awkward tension and the, the interaction was at a low moment. Do you think that's going to be a very good phone number? Or do you think it's gonna be a flaky phone number? Yeah, obviously it's going to be flaky, right? But on the second hand, if Regardless of when you got her phone number, you got it in the middle of the interaction and it wasn't a cop out for leaving the interaction early and you stayed there and for three minutes, you just bantered back and forth because if she feels like the interaction is about to end, the conversation kind of comes becomes more surface level and that's where you can really start sparking more attraction again. You can playfully tease her, right? Uh, and so go back to the banter type of conversation and then end the interaction on that high note, right? And now that's the last emotion she felt around you was just that ping of attraction. And, and now when she sees your phone number pop up on her phone screen, is she more likely or less likely to text you back? If the last emotion she felt around you was attraction, obviously more likely, right? And so my challenge to you is stay in set, all right? Stay in there and just spark more attraction for the last three minutes and just stay there for at least three minutes longer after you get her phone number and just... Here's the magical line. <laughs> Just in case we get separated, hey, give me your phone number right now. You're actually a lot cooler than I thought you'd be, right? Now that comes from a, a, a phase of like, I'm qualifying you, I'm the buyer in this interaction, and I'm not using it as a cop-out. Does that make sense? All right, so let's get to another um, <laughs> never have I ever before we get to the third point, all right? Chris, pick a card, any card. <laughs> All right. Never have I ever uninvited someone to a party. Ooh, I've done that. <laughs> I've uninvited people to parties. Let's get another one. Let's see who, who let's see who gets, have you done that, Chris? Uninvited. Yeah, have you ever uninvited someone to a party? No. I guess I would say that that's more reflective on any of you guys who have not ever had that experience. One of the things we're gonna talk about today is just being the being the guy who's not afraid to invite people to certain things. And so if you've never had that experience, you're probably not hosting enough like social circle events. And for some of you guys who feel like it's hard to meet women, one of the best ways to meet women, but obviously this comes with, you gotta build up your game too, is just being the guy who has the party or being the guy who has the after party, right? That's one of the easiest ways to meet women because people are gonna naturally start coming into your realm of existence they're gonna start coming to you because you're the guy who's hosting the damn thing. For example, tomorrow night, there's a big boxing fight that's been really big on the internet. Jake Paul is fighting uh, Ben Askren, UFC fighter. What do you think I'm doing tomorrow night? You think I'm just gonna sit here and fucking just twiddle my thumbs? No, I'm inviting people over, men and women, right? And so there's a party, but this is something that I've been naturally or just trying to do 
for many years is just having things that I'm looking forward to and scheduling in those social social circle things that I'm doing regardless of if anybody else comes. But now because I'm doing it and it's something that I'm looking forward to, naturally, because of the fact that I'm looking forward to it and it is something that could be a thing that's social, now I can invite people along the way as I'm meeting women throughout my week, as I'm you know, just looking for ways to become more social or break out of my shell or work on my game, I can invite people to these things along the way. And regardless of if they come or not, I'm still going to be doing that. So that means it's literally a win-win for you. It's win-win because now you have something that you're inviting people to along the way. What does that say about you as a fucking man that you have things you're looking forward to outside of just like, you know, sitting in your mom's fucking basement, right? You have things that are going on. You have things that you're looking forward to. You're the guy who's offering social value because you're inviting her along the way. And if other people are coming too, now that's pre-selection, that's social proof that makes you look better, right? And it makes a lot of the things that we're talking about in these videos a lot easier for you to do because a guy is who has a lot of things going on in her in his life is less likely to get flaked on because there's more things for a woman to latch onto that she likes about you, right? But if you're bringing one thing to the moment, which is one interaction, you have nothing else to offer, right? Then obviously it's a lot more likely that you're going to get flaked on. And even worse than that, if your interaction was super awkward and you have nothing going on in your life, well, let's start working on some of these things. So you start bringing more social value to the interactions, regardless of if this interaction goes well or not. Does that make sense? If that makes sense, drop a like or give me a comment, especially if you're on the replay. Let's give me another, let's draw another card, Chris. Never have I ever. This, this brings up like good tangents and stuff. Never have I ever had sex in an office. I've not done that, but I have had sex with girls that worked in the same office as me. Um, and that's a whole different story. Uh, so let's get into the third one and let me know, what do you guys think about this so far? Do you guys, have you guys ever made any of the mistakes that we've talked about up to this point? All right. So, oh, this one, by the way, this is not a brand deal, but if you guys have not tried the rocks tequila, so fucking good. Super smooth tequila. I love margaritas. I love tequila. And if you ever happen to meet me out in person, give me a margarita and I will love you. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love tequilas. I love margaritas. All right. So the third way to prevent flaking and turn that flaking into flirting and fucking is don't be a dickless Ken doll. All right. Be the tone setter. Here's what I mean. So many guys have super platonic conversations and interactions with women. And more importantly, there's zero man to woman intent. There is zero, hey, I'm only talking to you because I'm interested in you as a viable sexual option for me. And maybe if this goes well, if we have chemistry, I might like you enough to bring you into my life. There's none of that vibe going on. It's a very data seeking conversation, meaning like, where are you from? What do you do? What's your major? It's like very forgettable shit. You got to give her something to latch onto, but the best thing that for someone to latch onto, especially a woman is her emotion of attraction for you. I call it an emotion of attraction because what a lot of guys don't necessarily understand and something I dive deep on super in this book with, this is literally the handbook on how to attract women, right? This is an entire book written on the entire concept of creating conversational tension and sparking traction with the women, with, with girls in conversation. But here's the thing, attraction, 
is not a choice. This is David Data used to say this all the fucking time. That's one of his quotes from like the early 2000s. Attraction is not a choice. Well, I'm gonna expand on it right now. Attraction is, is, is an emotion. And just like if you're feeling anxious or depressed or happy or euphoric or angry or pissed off, it doesn't matter. Oftentimes, emotions take external stimuli that you respond to. Now, how you act, depending on your emotions, is completely up to you. And becoming in control of your emotions is a lifelong pursuit, right? But that said, emotions are like biological suggestions. They're not commands, right? But emotions themselves, you don't necessarily have 100% control over the fact that you want to feel that emotion or not. And oftentimes, if you feel like I need to control my emotions and you're trying to resist the fact that you're pissed off or anxious about something, uh, Osho says this in his book, what you resist persists, right? So if you try to resist an emotion, it's going to persist for even longer. It's often going to grow. But here's the thing. This is why it's a double-edged sword. And this is why it's so fucking amazing is because attraction is not a choice simply because it is an emotion. And what causes that emotion to happen is the external simulation of your fucking high value man. Who's not afraid to disqualify. Who's not afraid to playfully tease. Who's not afraid to spark conversational tension in a way that gives her the emotion of attraction. And here's the, here's the secret guys. Women want to feel the emotion of attraction. Women love the emotion of attraction. And if you're not giving her the emotion of attraction in conversation, you're, de you're depriving her of the one thing that women actually want, which is to feel the emotion of attraction for a high value guy. And if you're not doing that, if you're not doing any of the shit that we talk about in this video or in this book even, then you're actually holding, you're, you're basically not living up to your potential as a man, especially when it comes to your ability to get the girls that you actually want, right? Going back to the example I gave before, um, one of my clients who's in my inner circle, one of the things that we talked about before was he was afraid to spark attraction and spark tension in those conversation with girls. So he would water down the actual lines, some of the lines that we talk about in that, in, the, in that book, right? But one of the lines that I wanted him to practice, which was a, a line that is very um, easy to drop into conversation, especially when you're starting out because it's so versatile. And it's basically, anytime you learn a, fa a fact about her, you basically just say, oh, you have, you're a girl from Texas or, oh, you like cats or, oh, you're into grilled cheese sandwiches. Like, oh, we could never be together. And you practice the delivery of that and you practice the timing of that in conversation. We could never be together. Learn a certain fact. Use that fact as the reason why you guys can never be together. That's a, that's a thing that most nice guys, nice guys, simps, they're afraid to drop something like that in conversation because they're like, I don't want to break rapport with the girl. I don't want to offend the girl because that would make her piss off at me, Right. And one of the counterintuitive things is like the quickest way to break the, the quickest way to build rapport is to break rapport, AKA the quickest way to build a connection and make her know, like, and trust you more is by breaking that connection, by disqualifying her, by telling her you guys can never be together. It's very counterintuitive because what it does is it sparks that emotion of attraction that actually pulls her closer towards you. And the mind blowing fact, the reason why this is a relevant example is because right before this call, he had, he had a, a success for him, a win, which was he went out and he actually, rather than watering it down after practicing the delivery for a little bit, he actually um, chose to just deliver it the moment that it made sense in conversation. And he said it actually gave him a big paradigm shifting moment because these girls responded positively to it. Whereas his paradigm before was girls would be offended by something that I said like this, right? And so the moment that you're afraid, you are, you know, you, you experience 
that women, uh, the quickest way to build rapport is by breaking rapport. When you can touch the stove and find out that it's hot by actually touching the stove, by actually getting that reference experience, um, it's paradigm shifting because you go, oh shit, this is how it actually works. And I've been doing this other shit that doesn't work for the longest time. And this is the reason why I haven't been getting the results I want is because I've been playing not to lose rather than playing to win. And I'm going to do the thing that is so counterintuitive, but is the one thing that actually sparks conversational tension and breaks rapport in the moment, which actually builds attraction in the moment, which is disqualifying her. That's one of those quick wins that can literally change the tra trajectory of your entire dating life. I told this story last week, but one of the first girls I ever approached was a girl who I awkwardly, awkwardly asked her for her phone number because she, um, <laughs> is because she, like, I think she gave me her phone number because she felt sorry for me. She literally said, don't text me. Like I'm only in town this weekend and I have a fiance and I'm not looking to cheat on my fiance and I'm not interested in you, but I'll give you my phone number. She literally gave me her phone number because she felt sorry for me, right? In retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, she felt sorry for me. That's why she she gave me her phone number. But that was the first girl I ever approached. Think about that. And how far have I come in that time? I, believe it or not, was bragging to my friends after that about the fact that, oh yeah, I got this fucking girl's phone number because I felt good about the fact that I got a result that I was not used to getting, which for me meant progress. It meant for me there was a light at the end of the tunnel. It meant for me that I was going in the right fucking direction. So as you're learning a lot of these outer game concepts that we talk about on this channel, understand that celebrate you need to celebrate the small wins because those small wins are what's going to build up momentum for you and this is a, a, a thing that can apply to any area of your life but momentum is one of the most powerful forces that you have working for you or working against you once you have momentum going in the right direction dude you can become unstoppable if you start capitalizing on the momentum and the best way to do that is celebrate the small wins along the way um one guy comments uh to cow i can't don't necessarily know how to uh, pronounce that, but he says, I love you <laughs> live. I love your live streams these days. Well, great, man. We're going to be going live every single week on Mondays and Thursday nights. So feel free to definitely join us as we come on and just know we've literally started this in the last like two weeks, right? So if you like it now, imagine where it's going to be when we are, you know, two years into this and we're constantly tweaking and making these better, making these more entertaining, making these more value packed, figuring out ways to where this is like a, a thing that serves you the most efficiently. Um, that's what I'm most looking forward to is not where we're at now, but where we can go. And I think that's a good uh, opportunity for you to relate that learning lesson and that mentality back to your dating life. Don't judge yourself and don't identify where with where you're at currently at this moment, right? Where can you be five years from now, right? Most people underestimate what they can do in one year and they overestimate what they can do in five, right? So if you have ever thought about like for yourself, what's like a good five-year goal for me? Like, where do I want to be in my life? First off, if you've never thought that, um, go back and watch last week's live stream um, from last Thursday or wait, Monday at this point from earlier this week on Monday, because we talked about a lot about goal setting and like the mentality behind goal setting. But listen, man, if you've never thought about where you want to go, then how the fuck are you supposed to improve, right? You should have a vision for what you're moving towards. But that said, remember, most people greatly underestimate what they can accomplish in five years and they greatly overestimate what they can accomplish in one, right? And so understand that where you're at now is not who you are. 
And naturally for you to grow, you're going to have to do actions that are uncomfortable, that are outside of your comfort zone, that don't seem quite in character for you. Um, going back to the example of the, of the guy who is in my, in my, in my inner circle, who, um, had that big, that big win for him, which was being able to use a playfully challenging line in a way that women actually responded positively to, well, before his paradigm was, if I say this line, women will get offended, right? So for him to even go to the, go through the, the, the mental, um, stuff he had to go through to even take action on something that got him a better result. He had to take an action that he had one, not done in the past, but two, um, was not used to doing in the past as well. So for you to grow, for you to become that 2.0 version of you or that guy who is five years down the road for you to grow into that person, you're going to naturally have to become someone that you're not currently. Right. So, um, I guess that's just one of those things to keep in mind as you start progressing. So let's get into the fourth, uh, actionable way to turn flaking into flirting and fucking. And that is to indirectly stay on her radar, indirectly stay on her radar, right? The way you indirectly stay on any girl's radar and actually turn a phone number into something that's not a flaky phone number, but a girl who is looking forward to meeting up with you, who is excited about the idea of actually coming into your life is being a guy who actually has a life that women want to become a part of, right? And this is one of those challenging ones for a lot of guys, especially if you're starting out. Now, now here's the thing. There's guys who are working on their game and that might be you as well, where maybe you have a social life, maybe you have a lot of friends, but you're not quite sure how to bridge the gap, right? And so one of the things is if that's you, pay attention to a lot of the stuff that we talk about, about um, the mentality around of what actually attracts women and what actually get, what do women actually respond to, which is creating conversational tension. But secondly, if you are working on this area of your life and you want to have less flaky phone numbers, well, have a better social media presence that shows a lot of those slices of your life that women might actually be interested in. And it doesn't always have to be like, maybe you have like that frat boy lifestyle, the fuck boy lifestyle where you're going out to clubs every Thursday, Friday night, and you have these big parties. You don't have to be that type of guy who just to get girls, you just have to be a type of guy who has something other than the fact that you could have some witty banter and witty one-liners in the moment and to, for her to actually imagine herself inserting herself into your life and doing. For example, in Arizona, this is like almost a meme at this point, but um, there's so many hiking places in Arizona that every guy in Arizona on like Tinder and Bumble has that like stereotypical, like here's me hiking on, on Devil's Bridge or here's me in Sedona, right? But because that's classical and stereotypical in, in Arizona, I, I mean, I would say arguably, it's, it's better than not having that because it gives her a slice of something that you do outside of just approaching women or something that you do outside of the one conversation she's had with you that she could imagine herself doing with you potentially in the future, right? If you love sushi, post the fact that you're grabbing sushi on a Friday night. If you love hiking, take a picture of you fucking hiking. Post Instagram stories of you walking on the hiking trail. If you like playing basketball, post a picture of you playing basketball, right? Give people something to latch onto into your life by not flying so under the radar on your social media. So many people <laughs> message me 
questions on Instagram, on Facebook, on email. But here's the thing. A lot of these people, I would say arguably half of these guys don't even have a profile picture on their social media. They're fucking playing under, flying under the radar. Think about what does that phrase fly under the radar even come from in the first place? Well, if you think about it, the, the phrase fly under the radar comes from planes that are trying to fly low enough to where they're not getting picked up by radar, which is sketchy in itself because why are you trying to fly low enough to where you're not getting picked up under the radar? It's because you're doing some sketchy shit. You're like smuggling drugs and shit, right? And so if you're trying to fly under the radar, like what kind of sketchy shit are you doing? And even if you're not doing any sketchy shit, maybe you just don't have a thriving social life. What vibe is that giving to a girl who maybe you're trying to slide into her DMs? Or maybe you approached her and she looks you up on, on the internet, which I promise you every girl who's actually interested in you is whether she wants to admit it or not looking you up to some degree on social media like if you're not getting enough matches or maybe your matches online are not turning into dates well do you have your Instagram connected to these accounts? And if you do, what does your Instagram fucking look like? Does it look like you posted five years ago and that was the last time you approached? Do you have a profile picture? Is every picture of yours, um, you in a group to where I don't even know who the fuck you are, right? These are things to consider. Stop trying so hard to fly under the radar in social media because that mean, like that just conveys to everybody else who's not you, like either you have a life that I'm not interested in inserting myself into or two, you're, what sketchy shit are you trying to fucking do? What are you trying to hide, man? Like even myself, my personal Instagram has a lot of dating advice, right? However, that's better than having a profile where there's one post that was posted four years ago and there's zero profile picture, right? This is like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna message me and you don't even have a profile picture, I'm not even gonna fucking read your question most likely because like, dude, like how are you supposed to attract girls and actually bring girls into your life when you don't even have a profile picture or you even worse, you don't even use your fucking real name on social media, right? And so these are just different things to consider, but how do you indirectly stay on a girl's radar? Treat your social media as a way that you're marketing yourself, right? We talk a, like a lot of dating advice these days revolves around online dating profiles, and that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. However, if you think about what kind of pictures would make a girl attracted to you on an online dating profile, but you haven't carried that mentality over to your online profile, your Instagram profile, your Facebook profile, then understand that you're working against yourself if you're putting the same amount of effort into your online profile, but not your actual social media, right? And here's the thing. So many guys try to resist, resist the fact that social media does play a role, but listen, man, it's 2021. The whole world is going digital. This is the future, whether you want to admit it or not. The number one way to stand out is to actually be the guy who's not afraid to approach girls and create these organic interactions um, in person. But then the second way is to keep girls interested in you by having a cool lifestyle that she's looking forward to, that she can see herself wanting to become a part of. And the easiest first action step for any guy watching this to really start taking action with this stuff is to start having things that you're putting on your fucking calendar that you go out of your way to think, 
What do I want to look forward to doing this week that I can invite people to along the way? For me, perfect example. Tomorrow, there's a boxing match. I've been looking into the hype and the, pre, the pre-fight interviews and press conferences. So I'm going to watch the fight regardless. Now I'm going to also invite my friends, their girlfriends. Um, Chris, who's sitting here pushing the button, switching cameras. Sw- switch, give us a couple switches for a second, right? Yeah, he's coming over. So I'm inviting people along the way naturally as I'm going about my week to this thing that I'm doing regardless and I'm looking forward to doing. And don't you think that when I'm on social, when I'm in that moment, more often than not, I'm gonna post a a fucking Instagram story of me doing that. Maybe I might take a picture of me with my friends hanging out doing something. If I, but even if not, if I was like grabbing some uh, sushi or something, I would take a picture of my dope ass fucking sushi because I fucking love sushi. Here's the thing. I've reached out to girls organically and gotten dates and gotten these girls um, to to want to meet up with me in person because I'm latching on to things that they're posting about, right? If a girl sends me a Snapchat or an Instagram story, or even if she doesn't send it to me, but she uploads an Instagram story of her at a place grabbing sushi or at a place like maybe she's like playing with a puppy, I can respond like, how do you know I fucking love puppies so much? Like, have you been stalking me lately? And it's just like a fun, like one-liner that I can respond to her story with. But now it's starting an organic conversation in this online realm to where it shows that we are, we're on each other's radars indirectly, right? So it works both ways, I guess is the way, the point I'm trying to get at here. But if you haven't really considered how am I marketing myself online, then just know that you're probably not living up to your full potential in dating and there's there's a lot of room for you to grow and just doing this one thing alone is going to drastically I- improve your flake rate, if you will, right? So does this make sense uh, and does this resonate? Dan says, got this girl's number, text her for a meetup and went out with her. Should I be texting her or wait until wanting to go out with her again and just text for the meetup again? We're about to get this to this actually, I would say getting to this next, which is a great segue into the next point, um, which is the fastest way to get ghosted is to annoy her. And the best and the number one way that men annoy women is by over texting or by using texting um, as like a way that it's not meant to meant for. Right. Um, And so here's the thing. Number one thing I want you to realize is depending on how long you've been dating this girl or how long you've been interacting with this girl, how long she's been in your funnel, your marketing funnel for lack of better term, how long has she been in your realm? How long have you guys been indirectly on each other's radars, right? That's one thing to consider. But secondly, the only reason that you should be texting a girl before you've slept with her or let's say before three to five dates in is to actually see her again in person, right? Anything other than that, it's, it's, actually probably working against you. Like if you're building too much connection and rapport, too much of that KLT factor, the no like trust factor um, over text, well, you're working yourself, working against yourself because that's obviously something that needs to be built on the foundation of attraction. And based off of what we talked about so far today, attraction is something that you're building up in person. It can't really happen online because if you're doing it purely online, well, she's getting that validation, that emotion of attraction, which is like we said before, what women actually want. She's getting that without having to put in any work to get it. She's getting that without having to go out of her way to meet up with you in person. And so if she's getting the the attraction 
and the no like trust, the connection building over text, then you're texting her too much and you need to stop doing that and kind of give her the, give her the attraction, the banter over text, but then use that as like the tension, like the, 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 just the tip, you know, girls want just the tip. You give her just the tip to, to make her want the entire shaft, right? Give her just the tip over text. So she wants to meet up with you in person. Like that's the, the carrot you're dangling on the string for her to want the incentive for her to want to see you and be in person. And so this brings me to my answer for you, Dan, which is, um, the, the, the simplest way to think about this for any girl that you haven't slept with yet or any girl who you haven't been on three to five dates with yet or just like three to five times that you've gone from texting to hanging out one-on-one, um, that is the one invite per girl per week rule. One invite per girl per week rule, all right? So this just means that if I have, let's say this weekend I go out, I meet five girls, I get five phone numbers. And, or, you know, let's say in the last month, I've gotten five phone numbers, depending on where you're at in your, in your dating life, right? Well, now you have five numbers that you can be working to meet up with these girls potentially in the future, right? And so for me, that early on, let's say, I, let's say I'm at the same, same phase in dating with all five of these girls. I've met them. There's a good solid base of, uh, of attraction. Maybe I did the things that we've talked about in this video to where it's a, it's a number set up for success. Well, if I'm inviting this girl out to one thing that I'm looking forward to doing on Tuesday or Thursday night, and she says no, or she can't make it. But then later that week, I invite her to something I'm doing on Friday or Saturday, right? Then now it's like, it's, it's too much, right? It's too needy. And it almost implies like it almost works against you in a subconscious way because it implies that you don't have a lot of other options or it implies that you doing those things dependent on her saying yes or not saying yes. And so that's why I think it's crucial that one, regardless of what you invite these girls to do, you're going to be doing it yourself regardless. Right? And so I think this also kind of goes, flies in the face of the paradigm of like what is acceptable to do on a first date. A lot of guys want to grab dinner and drinks. Cut the dinner, just go for a drink, right? Because I'm going to be grabbing a drink on Thursday or Friday night regardless um, of if you come with me or not. Because um, if I want to go grab drinks, if I'm not going with a girl, I'm going to meet girls. If I want to go with a girl, I'm going to try to explore that chemistry with a girl. And it doesn't have to be drinks. It could be any number of things, but just for the sake of example. And so one invite per girl per week rule. Now here's another thing, which brings me to the, to the next one. Um, my next point, which is the sixth way, uh, or the fifth way. Uh, let me see one, one, two, three, four. Yeah, it'll be the fifth way. Um, is the, the parallel. And before we get to that, um, I would say on the, on the concept of inviting girls out on dates, uh, your best option for date nights, I would say is usually not going to be a Friday or Saturday night, right? If you're, if you're inviting girls out on a Friday or Saturday night, especially if you're trying to do things like a dinner fucking date, just know that most girls work throughout the week. Even if you have a, have a job or a lifestyle to where your schedule is kind of up to you. Um, most girls, the majority of girls work Monday through Friday. And because of that, what is the classical mentality of someone who works Monday through Friday when Thursday or Friday night rolls around? What do, what do you think that is, Chris? It's, uh, that's their time to go out with friends. They're trying to go out. They have plans, right? So if your plans depend on her saying yes to your plans of inviting her out for a date on Friday, Saturday night, what does that convey to her about what were you planning on doing on Friday night if you hadn't invited her out on a date, right? It means that it, 
subconsciously it implies, hey, maybe this guy doesn't necessarily have that much of a social life. So just for the simple fact that it might work against you if your only times that you're inviting girls out or on Friday or Saturday nights is like, just for the simple fact that it could work against you, you should be striving to want to hang out with girls one-on-one on Sunday through Thursday night. Here's the argument for that. Because like I said, the majority of girls are working Monday through Friday. Um, if she's one of those girls, this definitely applies to you. Yes, obviously there's exceptions. We can get to that in a second. But um, if a girl's willing to go out of her way to meet up with you on a Sunday night or a Thursday night or a Tuesday night, what does that say about her interest level in you? Obviously, it means that she's at least interested in you enough to go out of her way on a work week or a work night to want to see see you means there's already an underlying level of attraction there. And again, if you're if if that's a if you hear that and your first instinct is, well, I don't want to depend on just there already being an underlying level of attraction for her to want to meet up with me, then what you're ment- mentally trying to do is play not to lose rather than playing to win. You're not going for the high quality leads. You're going for whatever will fucking take you, right? You want to be striving for high quality phone numbers, high quality leads. Does that also mean that she's a fucking Sports Illustrated swimsuit model? No, I'm talking about high quality for you. Quality in your definition is different than my quality definition, right? But it's what is high quality for you? And part of what goes into what is a quality lead for you is what is a type of girl who's actually willing to hang out with me and go out of her way to do that, right? And so, also, on the other note, what are you mostly doing on Monday nights? Probably nothing. You go to work, you go to the gym, you make dinner, but other than that, you're probably just chillaxing. Maybe you're watching some fucking TV. So if you ain't doing goddamn shit, what do you think she's doing on a Monday night, right? So obviously, she has her schedule open because she's not planning for Monday night. She's planning for Friday, Saturday night. But secondly, she's not already not doing anything, most likely. And secondly, um, if she's willing to take that time that she's not doing anything and actually meet up with you, that's a lot of positive things already going there, right? Especially if you're already planning an event or something that you are willing to do throughout the week that you're already looking forward to, that's a perfect thing for you to invite her along the way. And it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm grabbing drinks. Hey, I'm throwing this fucking party. It can be, that's obviously like the lowest hanging fruit, but it could be, hey, my favorite author is coming to Barnes and Noble and they're doing a book signing. You wanna come with me? This is something I'm looking forward to. I love this author. Now, if you're going there regardless and you invite her along the way, you can go on a walk up and down the aisles of Barnes and Noble. You can talk about the types of books that you're interested in, the types of books that she's interested in. There's a lot of conversational chemistry that can go along um, just from you inviting her along things that you're organically already naturally doing in your day-to-day life. So the fastest way to get ghosted is to annoy her by over texting her, by texting her to build a connection, to stay on her radar. Don't text her for the goal of staying on her radar. Text her for the goal of um, meeting up with her in person. Use your social media as a way to indirectly stay on her radar because I promise you, if she's interested, or even, here's the other thing, oftentimes, I won't even get a girl's phone number as my first thing. 
kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, the only reason I'm getting a girl's phone number is because I know that this interaction is not going to be conducive to me right this second, going through all five windows of opportunity, um, ending with isolation and escalation, meaning that sex can occur and we're getting physical with each other, right? So if you can't isolate or escalate in this current environment, then logically it would make sense for, I'm going to plan to get her phone number just in case we get separated and the interaction has to end now. But logically, like if you're not doing anything and she's not doing anything, then you don't have to get her phone number in that moment. But more often than not, just as a way to hedge my bets, you know, uh, Richard Branson always talks about in his book, uh, screw it, let's do it. Great read by the way. Um, Richard Branson, uh, creator of Virgin airlines, right? He, uh, he always talks about you always want to be able to protect the downside. And so the way you protect the downside is, um, I would get her social media, right? Hey, what's your Instagram? Let me look up you up on Instagram. And then you just follow her on Instagram more often than not. If the interaction goes well, she's going to give you a follow back, right? Because girls, especially if there's that man to woman intent, she's going, she's going to want to follow you on social media to stay in your funnel. So this is why it's also important because whether you really realize it or not, she's doing that shit. Um, and so, uh, uh, I think I lost my train of thought. Um, but shout out to Josh for the $5 super chat. My profile is weak on social media. Any quick tips on making it awesome? You rock. And I got all your stuff. Keep being awesome. Thank you, Josh. Well, the first thing I would say is, um, your profile, the the assassin, the Assassin's Creed profile picture. Uh, I don't even know if that is Assassin's Creed, but if it is, I mean, hey, that's cool. But who's that gonna impress? Who are you trying to impress here with that social social media profile picture? Because um, I promise you, it's not gonna be these girls that you're meeting. It's gonna be maybe these these Twitch streamers or like 15 year old boys, right? So think about who are you attracting and what message are you putting out into the world by the, the marketing messages that you're giving off on your online profiles, right? And so one example, um, actually, Josh, I think you know this guy from a previous Inner Circle coaching call, but Robert, Robert had recently done a lot of work on his Instagram. So he's taking a lot, uh, and it's as simple as like, you know, classically any type of profile picture that you think would work on good on an online dating pro site. So not a mirror selfie uh, and your mirror is all fucking dirty because you got water spots in your mirror, right? Not a cell phone selfie where you're going, right? But like uh, maybe someone else is taking a picture of you, your, you know, my profile picture, for example, I'm doing the seductive gaze, right? The sly smile, the slight squint in the eyes, and I'm looking directly into the picture. You want a good headshot. Like, so looking into your pictures is the first place I would start with your social media. What kind of pictures do you have? What kind of activities are you doing, right? One of the guys who um, uh, encouraged me to uh, become a dating coach and really drop out of dental school, you guys may may not have heard of this guy. He's pretty big on TikTok. His name is Jason Capital. Well, five, six years ago, I met Jason Capital in Las Vegas and he uh, knew that I wasn't totally into the, the dentistry side of my life. And he encouraged me to take my skills in dating and become a dating coach, right? And so for him, this is just an example. One of the things that subconsciously he's always done in the way that he markets himself is he talks about sweet potato fries. So he's like, I love sweet potato fries. And I just, that's one of my things. I love sweet potato fries. Another thing is like, his thing is like, 
I love Robert Downing Jr. And Iron Man is my fucking favorite uh, Marvel character. Dan Locke is another one of these guys. Dan Locke, he also latches onto the whole Iron Man. Like, I love Iron Man. And he fucking buys an Iron Man suit, right? So think about like, what are like the three first things that someone thinks about you when they think about you as a brand? Right, so when I think about Dan Locke, he's intentionally inserted Iron Man into his brand. Jason Capital has intentionally inserted the fact that he loves sweet potato fries into his brand. I have intentionally inserted the fact that I love cold approaching women, I love um, dogs and I'm allergic to cats, I love tequilas and margaritas into my brand. These are like little aspects of my personality that people can latch onto. And when someone thinks about like, what is Patrick James? What does he think about? What, what kind of a person he is, is he? You'll, what are the things that you point out? Well, maybe one of the things that you might point out is, I don't know, he, loved, he loves drinking margaritas while he's live every Thursday night, right? That's part of my brand. So think about what is your personal brand? And so if you're thinking about what is, when you think about yourself as a brand, now you get more clarity on like, how are people perceiving my brand? What kind of things come up to them when they think about who am I as a person? Oh yeah, this guy grabs sushi every Friday night with his buddies, or this guy plays poker with his with his boys every Tuesday night, right? Or he's going golfing on every Sunday. Well, if you follow me on social media, you would know that I've been going golfing every Sunday for the last few weeks eventually that could become part of my brand but if a girl's like super into golf don't you think that's something that she could latch on to yeah obviously or if a girl's like totally against working out and i and i'm going hiking and i'm at the gym 24 7 do you think that girl's gonna be naturally wanting to come towards me or naturally like eh, i don't know about this guy so these are things that you want to think about and here's the best part when you start thinking about yourself as a personal brand, you think about what kind of pictures do I have and what does that convey about me as a person, right? Another thing that I, I remember, uh, Josh, uh, I think I actually did do this was when you started buying, uh, you know, investing in some, some of our upper level courses, I looked at your Facebook profile and I remember I saw a, a profile picture of you. Um, you, you were like a DJ, right? And so that's something that I go, yo, that should be a profile picture rather than this Assassin's Creed because that's something I can latch onto. Oh, this guy's a DJ. To women, you're a DJ, you have social value instantly, right? Instantly you have social value. Uh, another thing is, and you know this, you subconsciously know this, but it's like, so that's the first thing I would go is, the pictures are the lowest hanging fruit. The other thing is like, what is my personal brand? What are the things that I do on a daily or weekly basis that other people would be able to naturally latch onto? And then the third aspect is a great personal brand is a brand that um, is not afraid to polarize. And what I say by that is so many guys are so afraid to not break rapport. So many guys are so afraid to, to push women away from them that they play not to lose rather than playing to win. And because of that, they're not very polarizing, right? And so because they're not very polarizing, they don't really uh, stand out that much. They're kind of just middle of the road, right? So if you're too afraid to offend, but you're also not ever offensive, right? So you're somewhere in the middle. Well, that's like not memorable if you're in the middle. It's like a bell curve. You want to be, I would rather be the guy who stands out on either end of the spectrum. I either offend too much or I don't offend enough. That's just one example, right? But going back to your personal brand, if you're like, for example, you're someone who likes to work out a lot and you eat super healthy, but you're afraid to post that on social media because you don't want to repel the girls who don't work out a lot 
Well, then just know that you are not commanding enough attention onto you because your brand is too middle of the road. It's too like, eh, it's for lack of a better term, forgettable, right? When you become not afraid to polarize, now what something interesting happens. Naturally, the people who don't vibe with you, the women who are not into working out, if you're super into working out and eat healthy, eating healthy, that's just one example. Those women are gonna naturally polarize themselves away from you. But the women who really do vibe with that lifestyle, the people who are essentially in your clique, for lack of a better term, they're gonna naturally want to gravitate more towards you because you are two people within the same tribe of people, people who love to work out. Example, CrossFitters. Every CrossFitter has to tell you about the fact that they're into CrossFit, right? Every CrossFitter also identifies with the fact that they are CrossFitters. So instantly, if you're thinking about like, okay, well, what is my brand? Well, what types of women will be drawn to guys just because of the fact that they're into CrossFit? Women who are into CrossFit because it's something they're so passionate about. And so simply because of your branding being in line with who they are, they're gonna naturally be drawn to that, right? For some reason, think about it like this. For some reason, whether you realize it or not, you vibe with raw dating advice because on some level, my story connects with your story. If you and I didn't relate on any level at all, or if there was nothing about my personal brand that you could relate to on some degree, then you would not be polarized towards raw dating advice. You would be polarized away from it or it would become a a very forgettable brand for you, right? And so I think more often than not, just to kind of ping off your question here, the best thing I would do is think about what is your profile picture? And what is your personal brand? What are the two or three things that if a girl was just kind of passively watching your Instagram stories week in and week out, what are the two or three things that she would instantly remember about you? So those are the things that I would start with and then elaborate on that. If you want more clarity, if you want my help, then shoot me a DM on Instagram. And this is a good point to to point out. Um, I have been secretly behind the scenes I have a couple of things I also want to talk about as more ways to uh, prevent uh, flaking and turn it into flirting and fucking. But behind the scenes, I've been secretly working on a new project called Women on Demand. And at the moment, I am currently looking for a few more beta testers. So if you're watching the replay right now, or if you're watching live uh, and you're interested in hearing more about Women on Demand, basically, this is my 90-day blueprint, almost like a 90-day um, reboot for your dating life to really help you build up your skills from the ground up and really level up your ability to meet women on command and create chemistry on command with girls in everyday organic situations. And it's really going to take you from wherever you're at now. It doesn't matter your age or experience level, but really it's about if you are a guy who for some reason was plucked out of your current environment and taken to another environment and dropped there, would you be able to within a day or two have systems set up to where you have girls and dates lined up, but also it's so natural for you because you can meet these women on command and create that chemistry out of thin air to where you can have these social circle events. You can have this social proof of the social online um, uh, presence that you build with your social media, right? So if, if you are interested in this, if this is sounding like something that piques your interest and you want to be able to really recreate this for yourself over the next 90 days, I'm looking for five more beta testers 
Instagram message me uh, on Instagram, uh, the words women on demand, and we will see if you're a good fit to become one of these beta testers. But yeah, this is definitely something that I'm looking forward to um, really growing and, and releasing to the general public here soon. But if you want to become one of those beta testers and get in early, then DM me women on demand right now and we will chat. So that brings me to the other thing, the other point I wanted to bring up which is the rule of two. So this goes hand in hand with the um, one invite per girl per week rule. It's just a good general rule of thumb to get a girl um, not only stay on her radar, so you're still someone who's relevant that's messaging her, but also you stand out because you're not doing a lot of the texting mistakes that polarize women away from you, that push women away from you. Here's why I say this, because oftentimes when it comes to texting, if you think you have a texting problem, more often than not, if I'm just speaking in generalities here, more often than not, you don't have a texting problem, you have an attraction problem. And meaning that you have an attraction problem based off of when she saw you in person, if she saw you in person, hopefully um, this is not a girl that you just randomly DM online, right? Because more often than not, if this is a girl that you're randomly DMing online, you're already starting um, uh, from digging yourself out of a hole. But if this is a girl you met in person, right? And you're texting her, more often than not, it's you have an attraction problem, not a texting problem. And when it comes to texting, most guys, usually it's about what do you not do and it's about not making the mistakes that most guys make versus just doing the things that attract women, right? It's kind of like that tightrope analogy. When it comes to texting women, it's kind of like walking a tightrope. You can do everything right from the start, but if you start making a lot of these mistakes that a lot of guys makes, th then you, it doesn't matter how much attraction there was that this girl had for you, you could fall off the rope and still die. Right, so texting is kind of like a tightrope. As long as you just avoid the most common mistakes and just stick to the one invite per girl per week rule, but the second rule that I'm about to get to here in a second, which is called the rule of two, you will be better off for it. And so here's what the rule of two is. It really comes down to having standards for yourself. And so if you stick to the one invite per girl per week rule and you have standards for yourself. Well, are you going to constantly be chasing down a girl who keeps saying no or a girl who constantly has a reason for you to, for, to not hang out with you? Maybe she says yes, but she keeps flaking. If a girl flakes on you too fucking much, then you got to ask yourself, is this a girl even worth putting any time investment into? It's probably not. So here's what the rule of two means. It basically just states that if a girl does not if she flakes on me or has a, a valid reason for her not wanting to meet up with me in person two times in a row, if it, if it becomes a third time, she's cut off, right? So if the rule of two, it's kind of like fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, or fool me, tw fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. If it happens in a third time, that's definitely on you. And so for the way this kind of conceptualizes into the real world is if I invite a girl out once and she says no, for whatever reason, or she can't do it. And then I invite her out again next week and she says no again, but she doesn't suggest an alternate time, then I'm not going to put any more time investment into this, right? Because at this point, who's chasing who? And at the end of the day, talking about women wanting to feel the emotion of attraction for a high value guy, a lot of times what creates that attraction is because you're 
subconsciously, whether you realize it or not, sparking the chase in your direction. And the moment that chase gets sparked in the opposite direction is the moment she starts losing attraction for you. Now, I'm not saying you should always be hard to get. There's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And I think I actually made a video about this uh, a couple weeks ago, calling, uh, talking about the right way to play hard to get versus the wrong way to play hard to get. I definitely recommend checking that out for a more in-depth uh, analysis of this topic. However, if a girl says no to you more than twice, the rule of two is she she's cut off. You're not going to keep chasing this, this lead who's not interested in you, right? Because again, a girl will naturally qualify herself towards you if she is interested. And in this example, when it comes into the concept of the rule of two, if a girl's willing to give you an alternative time, meaning, hey, Tuesday night's actually really bad, but I could do Thursday night, I could do tonight, I could do Friday night, that's a light at the end of the tunnel. That is a, a, it tells me that there's legitimacy to why she couldn't do X, Y, Z on the exact day that I originally invited her to do, right? And going back to the concept of marketing, right? It comes down to what is the offer that you're making? What is the offer that you're making, right? So for example, I can tell you as a man who's interested in dating advice, I have a book. It's my best-selling book. I think we're coming up on 10,000 copies sold, right? So if we're coming up on about 10,000 copies sold of this book, well, that means that um, obviously this is an offer that about 10,000 guys were interested in, right? So what is the offer? It's a free book. I've already paid for the book. Just cover the shipping and handling. We'll ship that book to you. That's an offer that people can latch onto. So many guys wonder, oh, I'm getting flaked on so much. Well, what's your offer to these girls? Let's forget about the fact that your marketing uh, the, got these got you on the radar in the first place, right? But if you're like, hey, um, uh, let's go grab drinks on Thursday night, but she says no to drinks and every girl's saying no to drinks, right? Well then tweak your offer. Well, why don't we go for a walk in the park? Why don't we grab coffee? Why don't we go grab street tacos? Why don't we, I don't know, change the offer, right? So a lot of times it comes down to what are the, what is the offer that you're making, but also, um, what is the marketing that goes into that offer as well? And so for you, the rule of two, have standards for yourself. If a girl's not willing to suggest an alternative time, she's naturally qualifying herself away from you. She's disqualifying herself, which is okay. Because here's kind of the counterintuitive um, cool side about that. When you have standards for yourself, women respect you more. And the fact that you're not gonna chase a girl, she subconsciously respects that more. And here's the cool part. If you already are working on the, how are you marketing yourself, this girl's probably already still paying attention to you on Instagram or on Snapchat or on whatever social media platform that you choose. Obviously, Instagram or TikTok or whatever is like some of the more common ones that we that are popular these days. But if she's already subconsciously following you on Instagram, well, those are the ways that you can organically start those, reinitiate those conversations in ways that don't feel like chasing. If a girl uploads a picture of sushi and I happen to love sushi, Specifically, I love a good rainbow roll. In fact, it's my classic. When I go to a new sushi spot, I judge how good is this sushi spot based off of what do I think about their rainbow roll? Because that's a rainbow roll that I can get any, at any sushi spot, but how good is their rainbow roll, right? So how's that analogy apply back to your life? Well, if I love a good rainbow roll and a girl is uploading a picture of her eating a rainbow roll at a sushi spot nearby, I go, 
how the hell did you know that I'm into girls who love sushi and eat rainbow rolls? I don't know how you knew this, but it's a little weird. And are you like stalking me right now? Like this is so not cool, right? I respond to an Instagram story like that. That reinitiates the interaction altogether. But if this is a girl I haven't spoken to for three weeks because she couldn't come out with me two weeks in a row, now the, the framing of that message is way more powerful than if I had been chasing her for the last 10 weeks. Do, do you see the difference here? So remember, the fastest way to get ghosted is by annoying a girl, right? And the way you uh, uh, at least avoid the mistake of over-texting is sticking to the one invite per girl per week rule early on in the dating process. That's the first thing I would say. Second thing, rule of two, having standards for yourself makes women respect you more. And um, if a girl's not willing to suggest an alternative time and she, for whatever reason, she flakes two weeks in a row, she's done, right? Now she's just on your general funnel of girls who happen to follow you on Instagram. Now here's the cool part. Whether you wanna admit it or not, if you're working on your marketing, it doesn't even matter what your marketing is, girls are paying attention to your social media presence. My girl, who I'm currently dating, I said last week, I met her at a lot at a Scottsdale nightclub, and because I have set I had set up my life in a way where I had ideal logistics to where I could walk back to my apartment uh, in a short five minute walk away from the nightclubs. Um, it was very easy for for me to pull this girl back to my place five minutes after I met her, and that's exactly what happened. I don't even think I got her number until her friends came to pick her up five minutes after we had gotten done doing the deed for the first time which was that night. And uh, I, I was like, wait, let me get your number, <laughs> right? Um, and now, luckily, I did remember to do that because uh, obviously it turned into a more fulfilling relationship that could continue on. However, even that phase, I didn't start dating this girl until five, six months after that interaction had happened because even if I'm not talking to this girl actively, even if you're not talking to these girls actively, they're still following you on social media. I have girls to this day, even though my social media is all about dating advice, the only thing I'm trying to attract in my Instagram is more dudes like you, right? <laughs> but ironically, I look at who's engaging with my Instagram profile, dude, I have a crazy stalker chick who I bought a, I bought a kitchen table from who works at the furniture store three or four weeks ago. She follows me and likes my shit. I have girls who friend zoned me 10 years ago, still following my shit, still watching my Instagram story. So here's the thing, whether you wanna admit it or not, girls are still watching, they're, they're paying attention to your online presence, and if this is not something you've thought about before, lowest hanging fruit immediately for you, right? So that's the first thing. And then the last one before we get out of here, and let me uh, kind of read a question. I have one more way to prevent flaking and turn it into flirting and fucking. Um, Derek, he says, if I'm already in the friend zone with a girl and I've, I've pulled away for a while, how do I begin flirting with her again, even though we have a social contract of me being her friend? Great question. I guess the best way for me to answer this, the, the way that comes to mind for me first is my own experiences of having come out the other side with girls that had hardcore friends on me. One of the things I, I don't talk about quite often uh, on, on this channel um, is how some of these interactions have panned out that inspired me to get into learning game, learning dating advice, and eventually becoming a dating coach 
which is what you're watching right now, which is the two girls who originally crushed my heart, like two in a row to where it's like one, it, the first one, it hurt and it really hurt. And it like led me to an all time low. But then the second one in a row after that, it made me commit to myself that this was never going to happen to me again. Right. This was a do or die moment for me. Right. And so obviously I'd come out the other side. Both of these girls <laughs> have still followed me on Instagram and have sent me DMS within the last like year, you know, how crazy is that right now? Here's the thing. One of them I did end up hooking up with after I'd gotten into game, after I had uh, improved myself and after I had developed abundance for myself, here's a couple of cool insights from that experience. One, I would built up this thing to be such a big deal for me when I was friend zoned by her, when she was retreating away from me and it crushed me and I wrote her a love letter by hand and it still didn't do shit for me. Right. Um, a couple years later, I'm in a game. I, I, I come back to visit my hometown from Arizona and I currently had dropped out of dental school to become a dating coach. She wants to link up because we hadn't hung up, hung out for a while. And I'm just randomly texting people like, Hey, I'm back in town or whatever. And she wants, she comes to Hooters with me and I'm eating wings. I'm eating like a slob. I'm not even trying to impress this chick and I'm disqualifying her and I'm playfully teasing her. And guess what? I'm pre-selected because I had worked on myself. I had done what I recommend, uh, what I'm about to recommend to you, which is go fuck 10 other women and come back to me and ask the same question. Cause by this point I had fucked at least 10 other women since I had gotten friends on by her, which is at least 10 more than I had before I was into her. Cause I mean, I was, I was basically a simp by the time I got friend zoned by her to where I was a completely transformed man. I was a different person that she was interacting with. It's like Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor gets, beats the shit out of Dustin Poirier the first time they fight. A couple years later, now they fight. What happens? Conor McGregor's a new man. Dustin Poirier is a new man. Who gets knocked out now, right? So you grow, you become a different person. The interaction pans out completely differently. That girl came, came back to my place which because it was, I was visiting back in town, I was staying at my parents' house. So a lot of guys think, oh, I have bad logistics. I can't go back to my fucking parents' house because I got parents and they don't like me pulling back. Like, listen, I had bad logistics because I didn't live in this town. I was visiting back in town and I pulled her back to my mom's basement, right? And my mom's not, not only doesn't live with me anymore, but also doesn't never like the fact that I was pulling girls back, right? Even the few times I was able to do that while I still lived with her, so I pulled it and I hooked up with her. Here's the crazy part. I didn't even want her as much as I wanted her before. I didn't even want, because the version of me then was, was capable of landing women who were so much higher quality than that girl was and objectively still is to where I didn't even really want her that much anymore. And when it did happen, it's like, it's like, this was like a girl who I, I was like, the interest level was not even the same. And here's why I say this is because right now, I know it seems like you want this girl. Right now, I know it seems like this girl is everything to you. And I would argue because the simple fact that you are in her friend zone is the reason why it feels that way. Because here's what happens naturally with a lot of guys who are in the friend zone. One, they're in the friend zone because, because they are not, they don't have enough abundance and pre-selection to where it's natural to where you were the type of guy that she would want to be chasing. And for whatever reason, there's something that you did that, that flew in the face of everything I teach up to this point that led her to her friend zoning you. What that is, 
I don't know. I'd have to talk to you a little bit more and get to know more about the context of your situation. But the fact of the matter is you're in the friend zone. She's retreating away from you. And it's human nature for you as a human to want something that's retreating away from you. If everything's going good and there's a vibe and you guys are flirting around with each other, the moment she pulls away, the moment you want her more. I see this pattern happening with so many guys only because it's happened to me. That's why I can spot it out so fucking easily. Right? And so just know you want her more because human nature. She's retreating away from you. She's a more scarce commodity. Therefore you want it more. Don't you see how if you were just that, if the roles were reversed, she would naturally want you more because that's human nature. So that's the first thing. Second thing, commitment and consistency is another law of human nature. Ironically, it goes straight into uh, that book, uh, Influenced by Robert Cialdini. Commitment and consistency basically just says, the more uh, I investment I put into something, the more I energy I, I put into something, the more I value that outcome. So the more that you chase this girl, which naturally happens more the re- that she retreats away from you, the farther into the friend zone you you are, it's like um, Bobby Rio always calls it emotional quicksand, right? The more into her, your friends, the, her friend zone you are, the further in you fall into her friend zone, like quicksand, because the more emotionally reactive you are to the situation, right? So that's because of commitment and consistency. It's like, it's like the fact that she's retreating away from you puts you in the quicksand. What gets sucks you into the quicksand is your emotions, right? And so what often gives guys the emotions is like the mental movies of what could potentially happen if you wrote her that love letter, if you did the big romantic gesture, if you chased her even harder, if you did this bold, big, bold move that somehow flipped the tides into your direction. And those mental movies are poisonous for your ability to attract women because what it's really doing, whether you realize it or not, is it's sucking you further into that emotional quicksand that's gonna put you further and further into her friend zone to where it's probably gonna get you past the point of no return, right? I don't know if you're past the point of no return and to her friend zone right this second, but I'm telling you the only way you're going to get, uh, avoid the point of no return and actually come through the other side to where maybe in the future you could hook up with her is by essentially working on yourself and, and long story short, in a nutshell, the best way for you to do that is work on yourself by working on how do you become the version of you, the 2.0 version of you, um, to where you can, actually have the skills to go out and fuck 10 other women because the version of you who has more abundance in your dating life to where you have the ability to meet attract and and sleep with ton of 10 other women right now even if you're not necessarily into premarital sex right um if if sex is not your it doesn't matter become the type of guy who could that version of you is going to be light years more attractive to that girl right this second than you could ever possibly imagine, mostly because you're not making the mistakes of constantly imagining these mental movies of like this future ideal scenario where you're introducing her to your parents and you guys are riding off into the sunset and you're doing this big romantic gesture and you guys are gonna be telling your kids about this. If you have thought about what does this girl's name sound like with your last name, you're way too far into the mental movies uh, of what I'm talking about, right? That's like the red flag. If you've already thought about what this girl's name sounds like with your last name or you've thought about potentially having kids with this girl one day or you've thought about it potentially introducing this girl to your parents one day, you're way too far and you need to go in 
the other way right now, right? So go fuck 10 other women, then come back to me and let's see what happens then, all right? So that's what I have for you today. And let's get into the last one, which I think is exactly what we just talked about. So I don't have to go into it anymore, but it's develop abundance, all right? Become a man of many options. When you go into your skill set and the, your progression and your growth as a man, as I'm going to do whatever it takes to develop the type of skills it takes to develop abundance and become the type of guy who has the skills to be able to get those girls, that's when you have, the, the world opens up to you. If you want that girl, you can have her, but I promise you, you're probably not gonna want her at that point. And secondly, just naturally becoming that guy who has abundance makes you more of an appealing option to where girls are less likely to flake on you because you're the type of guy who has social value. You're the type of guy who has a life that she could imagine herself inserting herself into. All right. So that's my advice to you is develop abundance and really don't, don't think about dating as far as like a, as a scarcity mindset, right? When I say that, uh, and Derek actually just said, I just ordered your book two days ago. Your, your mind's going to be blown because I'm really going to expand on the topic, uh, in the introduction of this book, um, which is, uh, the concept of the thirsty many versus the thriving few. The thirsty many is 99% of men who chase women. The thirsty many is 99% of men who say, I like this girl. She likes me back. Let's put all our chips in one basket right? And then when that one basket, when she starts pulling away, you fall even harder. She friends, you friend zones, you, it, it hurts your heart. And now you're right back where you started. In fact, now you're at an all time low, right? Which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a blessing in disguise. What we talked about on Monday, because that's the moment that's going to propel you to the massive growth. But secondly, the thriving few are the top 1% of men who have abundance, who don't necessarily have to put in all this fucking effort and finesse just to get a girl to come out on a date with him because girls are chasing them down. How does that happen? How does a guy like me have a fucking, a, a fucking girl who happened to be working the cash register at the fucking place where I bought furniture from end up stalking me on my dating advice, Instagram, right? That happens because I'm a man of abundance. I'm a man who has a sub communications of high value because I am one of the, it's just a mindset shift rather than choosing a woman because I, she was the girl who happened to show me interest back. I developed the skills and the ability to have uh, maybe a roster of like five to 10 women, five to 10 numbers I'm texting, five to 10 girls I could invite out this week if I wanted to. And then from there, if I want to go deeper with one, which I promise you, you will come to a phase where you're tired of starting from scratch every time you go out. You're tired of uh, of of starting from ground zero. You're tired of the surface level uh, connections with girls and you want to go deeper with one, the girl who really does help you uh, and support you in your mission and your vision in life, the girl who becomes your Beyonce to the Jay-Z, the girl who becomes your queen bee, that girl, you're going to get into that phase eventually. But to get there and to become the best, most high, high value version of yourself, it takes the mindset shift that you're going to start dating from abundance. So when you finally do become, get to that phase, of your life, you choose her from a place of abundance rather than settling for the one girl who chose you, right? So don't settle, never settle. Like my friend Clark Kegley from Refusing to Settle Always says, stop settling, start living, and we'll see you in the next video, all right? So Derek, hopefully that um, adds more clarity to your situation. And shout out Josh for the $5 super chat today. And thank you for that awesome question. And like I said, I promise every time we get a super chat, we will take a personal question. So um, Chris, let's draw a question. 
And you know what? Just to close it out, I'll answer both of the ones on the card. Okay. <laughs> so what's the first question on this card? Is what is something ethically questionable that you have done in your career? Oh shit. <laughs> ethically questionable. <sighs> That's a hard question to answer because I don't I personally feel like I I Man, that's a deep question. Ethic, can you repeat the question? Yeah, what is something ethically questionable that you have done lately? I guess it depends on your definition of ethics, but I would say I, this is, this is, uh, it's maybe not the answer that you guys, it's the first one that came to my head. I've procrastinated unpacking this fucking house for, um, a month and I've been here for over a month and there's boxes everywhere still, regardless of how it looks on camera right now. This is like the only part of the house that I've unpacked. Um, so ethically, I'm probably doing myself a disservice um, because it's adding more stress to my life uh, because everything's kind of cluttered as soon as I leave the studio. Uh, but um, I don't know, it <laughs> depends on your definition of ethics. I, I could definitely be a little bit more, um, organized in my life. What's the other question on that card? The other question is, why were you upset the last time you shouted at the television? <laughs> the last time I shouted at the television, I don't know if this is the last time, but the last time I can think about because tomorrow night is a good uh, follow-up to this story was when Nate Robinson, one of my childhood basketball heroes, got knocked the fuck out by Jake Paul. I was like, no, because I had made the argument for why, why Nate Robinson had a chance on my second podcast, hashtag raw and relentless, and I was completely wrong. I'm not making that mistake this time. Jake Paul's knocking Ben Askren the fuck out. I'm, I, I, I truly believe that. Um, so yeah, that's the last time I yelled at the television. I'll be honest. I don't really watch a lot of television um, because I... I what love it or hate it, I work my ass off. So about 12 hours a day, I'm staring at my fucking computer. So if I can get my computer, uh, uh, what is that? What is that? The, not the, the screen time. When you get a notification, if my computer screen time has been down, I take that as a win because <laughs> it means I've been actually, um, being more balanced with my other areas of my life. But, um, that said raw dating advice is like my mission, my vision. It's, it's right now the thing that gets, at least 50% of my time and energy. The other 50% goes to sleep and, um, you know, personal life. But, um, anyways, hopefully that made sense. And, uh, hopefully you guys got some value out of this and I look forward to seeing you guys next Monday and next Thursday. As always, if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button and I will see you guys in the next video.